1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to
2: 500-500. Tonight, the crisis in Ukraine nears a breaking point. President Biden says the United States believes Vladimir Putin has made the decision to invade Ukraine.
3: As of this moment, I'm convinced he's made the decision. We've reasonably been.
2: The president says Russia intends to target Ukraine's capital city of Kyiv. Kiev within the next few days. Russia increases its number of troops to as many as 190,000 surrounding Ukraine's border. Reports of possible false flag operations underway while increased shelling continues in eastern Ukraine for the second straight day. And the latest diplomatic efforts to deescalate tensions. Two years in prison. Former officer Kim Potter sentenced in the shooting death of Dante Wright, his mother's emotional plea for justice. And I'll never be able to forgive you for what you've stolen from us. Healthcare workers and fatigue. Despite falling COVID cases, hospitals remain overwhelmed and understaffed. We go inside a COVID ICU. Olympic doping scandal fallout. Will it lead to drastic changes in women's figure skating? Winter storm mess near whiteout conditions results in a 100 vehicle pileup in Illinois and on the road to a Florida school with an unlikely visitor.
3: This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell.
2: Good evening and thank you for joining us. I'm Jerika Duncan in for Nora. Strong words tonight from President Biden. He says he believes the decision for war has already been made by Russian President Vladimir Putin. The president warning the nation that Ukraine's capital of Kyiv, made up of more than 2.8 million people, could be a target within days. This is the biggest crisis to face Europe since the end of the Cold War. The latest satellite images show Russian troops moving within 10 miles of Ukraine's border where they've deployed helicopter and ground attack aircraft. Meanwhile, Russian-backed separatists have announced the evacuation of hundreds of thousands of residents to Russia from a region in eastern Ukraine. Russian media is also reporting attacks in the region that the U.S. and Ukraine say are staged false flag attacks. Russia has increased its number of troops to the border to as many as 190,000. We have a lot of news to get to tonight with this fast-moving story, but we begin first with CBS's Ouija Jiang at the White House, where the president made that extraordinary announcement. Good evening, Ouija.
4: Good evening, Jerika. For weeks now, President Biden has said the U.S. was not positive that Vladimir Putin had decided to invade Ukraine. Will that all change today as he warned it would likely happen in the coming days? The president vowed to implement punishing sanctions to make Russia pay the price, but he also said Putin still had time to change his mind. For the first time, President Biden left no room for doubt over whether he believes Vladimir Putin will launch an invasion of Ukraine. You are convinced that President Putin is going to invade Ukraine. Is that what you just said a few minutes ago? Yes, I did. Yes. So is diplomacy off the table then?
3: No. All until he does, diplomacy is always a possibility.
4: The president revealed his assessment after holding a phone call with NATO allies amid the administration's all-out effort to prevent a war. He said there was reason to believe Russia would invade in the coming days.
3: We're doing everything in our power to remove any reason that Russia may give to justify invading Ukraine and prevent them from moving.
4: Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Vice President Kamala Harris are meeting with allies at a security conference in Munich. She is scheduled to see Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on Saturday. But some U.S. officials worry him leaving Ukraine would give Moscow a window to act. Tonight, the White House is also blaming Russia for those cyber attacks in Ukraine that we saw this week against the defense ministry and major banks. National security officials say they do not have intelligence to indicate Russia is coming after the U.S. next, but they are working with the private sector to secure systems
2: just in case. We did Jang at the White House getting the president to clarify how seriously concerned he is about an invasion. Thank you. Now to Ukraine, where in the eastern part of the country, there have been reports of explosions along with air raid sirens. CBS's Charlie Daggett is in the city of Kiev with the very latest. Good evening, Charlie.
5: Good evening, Jerika. There has been a dramatic rise in tensions here in the last 48 hours due largely to those developments in the east, exactly the kind of move the U.S. and NATO allies have feared Moscow might use as a pretext to invade. (laughs) Women, children and the elderly packed onto buses in eastern Ukraine tonight, part of a mass evacuation of citizens headed to Russia. They were told for their own safety sirens blared with Russian-backed rebels who controlled a region warning that Ukrainian forces are about to attack. Also circulated today, video of what's left of a jeep rebels say blew up outside their headquarters in Donetsk. The region is not only controlled by Russian-backed separatists, but so are the images and information that come out of it. Russian media tonight also showed this video described as an explosion affecting a pipeline in a rebel-held city. Ukrainian Ministry of Defense flatly denied claims they're planning aggressions and warned against false flag operations meant to trigger a war. Today's events follow a dramatic escalation in hostilities between Ukrainian government forces and Russian separatists in the east, including shelling that tore through the walls of a kindergarten in Ukraine yesterday. President Vladimir Putin blamed Ukraine for the deteriorating security situation. And ratcheting tensions even higher, Moscow's plans to hold nuclear exercises on Saturday to test ballistic and cruise missiles that President Putin himself will personally supervise. U.S. officials now say Russia has amassed as many as 190,000 troops near the border of Ukraine, an increase from around 100,000 at the end of January. Edging even closer and awaiting further orders. Now, those military exercises to one side, the real concern here this weekend would be whether we see further escalations in eastern Ukraine and what that potential flashpoint may bring. Jerika?
2: Charlie, thank you. Let's turn now to CBS's chief foreign affairs correspondent and moderator of Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan. Margaret, you've been covering this for weeks now. It's clear that things have escalated. What are some of the broader implications here? Well, the U.S. Jerika is concerned that other autocratic countries like China, may take a page out of Vladimir Putin's playbook. And the president said this would be a catastrophic war of choice. And it goes beyond Ukraine. As he describes it, he believes Vladimir Putin wants to reshape Europe and the global power alliance that has existed for the past 77 years. And in many ways, this is personal for President Biden. It was on his watch back in 2014, when he was vice president, that he ran Ukraine policy. And that's when Vladimir Putin annexed Crimea, part of southern Ukraine, and fed the fighting in the east of the country. Uh, And he didn't pay a large price for that. So the concern now is Vladimir Putin may not stop there. What happens next will definitely impact the global economy. It could potentially create millions of refugees, and it could possibly cost thousands of lives. Wow. Very, very disturbing. Margaret Brennan Forrest, thank you. It was sentencing day for a former Minnesota police officer found guilty of manslaughter in the shooting death of 20-year-old Dante Wright. David Schumann from our Minneapolis station, WCCO, was inside the courthouse. I have to live in
4: this nightmare, watching my son shot and killed over and
2: over again.
6: Through tears, a- Katie Wright pleaded yeah. for the former police officer, Kim Potter, to get the maximum sentence for killing her son.
4: She never once said his name. <laughs> and for that, I'll never be able to forgive you.
6: Potter, who had been on the force for 26 years, was convicted of first-degree manslaughter two days before Christmas. Taser, taser. Potter says she meant to tase Wright during a traffic stop last April.
2: I to shy I grabbed the wrong fing gun!
6: But pulled her gun instead, shooting Wright once in the chest. When her time to speak came, a tearful Potter looked directly at Wright's mother.
7: I understand a mother's love, and I am sorry I broke your heart.
2: Officer Potter made a mistake that ended tragically. In the end,
6: Judge Regina Chu, her voice cracking, said Potter would serve 24 months, a quarter of what she faced.
2: She never intended to hurt anyone.
6: Wright's family disappointed with the sentence. This lady got a slap on the wrist and we still every night sitting around crying, waiting on
4: my son to come home.
6: Under Minnesota law, Potter will only have to serve two-thirds of her sentence in prison, 16 months, which means she could be released almost exactly two years after Dante Wright's death. Jerika?
2: David Schumann for us. Thank you. Tonight, the entire family of America's top doctor is fighting COVID. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy revealed his four-year-old daughter's diagnosis a few days ago. Well, now Murthy, his wife, and five-year-old son have all tested positive. We turn now to the hidden toll of the two-year pandemic on exhausted health care workers. Here's CBS's Chris Van Cleve. Those are all COVID patient rooms.
8: Nurse Courtney Hollingsworth takes us inside the COVID surge unit at St. Clair Regional Medical Center in rural Moorhead, Kentucky.
4: Some of these people are very, very sick.
8: Hollingsworth estimates about 40 percent of the nursing staff here has left during the pandemic. Burnout and what she calls compassion fatigue are now just part of the job.
4: We're reminding ourselves why we went in to nursing, where we make a difference.
8: The hospital says about 90% of COVID patients who end up here are unvaccinated. The staff says much of this community seems to have moved on from the pandemic, while its life and death consequences play out inside the hospital walls around the clock. The only thing that is semi-comparable and not not even close is like a battlefield, and we've been fighting now for two years, but we're the only people left to fight. Do you think about walking away? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be the appropriate thing to do. I feel like I would be abandoning my, my friends, my family. Aaron Parker Banks has been the only doctor on that battlefield at this family clinic in Owingsville, 50 miles east of Lexington. At any moment, if I start thinking about it, I cry. One of my mentors growing up who was like a mom to me, she lost her battle. There's not even words that can describe what all we've seen over the last year and a half. He says finding those words and his own time to heal will have to wait for now. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Owingsville, Kentucky.
2: Now to some other stories making headlines. That widespread winter storm of snow and ice along with multiple tornadoes have left a trail of damage, including this more than 100 vehicle pileup in Illinois. Several tractor trailers skidded off the road during whiteout conditions. No one was seriously hurt. And there were multiple reports of tornadoes in Alabama. One damaged several homes, including this one, where a tree sliced right through it. Meanwhile, in Canada today, police moved in to confront protesters who for three weeks have gridlocked the capital city of Ottawa over vaccine mandates. Semi-trucks and other vehicles were towed. At least 70 people so far have been arrested. And there's new data tonight on child poverty in this country. The number of children living in poverty rose from 3.7 million since the child tax credit expired at the end of December. That's an increase of 41 percent, according to a study by Columbia University. A quarter of black and Latino children now live in poverty. That's more than double that of white children. Well, turning now to the Olympics, where the fallout continues following the stunning end to the women's figure skating final. From Beijing, here's CBS's Jamie Yukis. Camila Valieva was welcomed home to Russia today, just hours
7: after her disastrous performance in the skating finals. That's
2: the most mistakes that we've ever seen Camila make.
7: Valieva's fall from grace prompted the strongest response yet from IOC president Thomas Bach.
3: Yeah, he was... Very, very disturbed.
7: Bach says he was especially concerned when he saw her coach scold her, (laughs) saying, Why did you let it go? Why did you stop fighting?
3: When I afterwards saw how she was received by her closest entourage with what appeared to be a tremendous coldness, it was chilling.
7: Valjeva tested positive for a banned heart medication in December, but she was cleared to compete, in part because she's a minor. How important is it to start looking at those people within her inner circle? It's
3: of extreme importance. Doping very rarely happens alone by by the athletes.
7: Velyeva's case has renewed attention on Russia's Olympic ban for state-sponsored doping, which is set to expire this year. And it's rekindled debate among several governing bodies over raising the minimum age to compete.
3: We will uh, initiate such a discussion and at least give them some food for thought.
7: As a side note, Alana Myers-Taylor will be the American flag bearer in this weekend's closing ceremony. She had to skip that honor, you may remember, in the opening ceremony after she tested positive for COVID. It will take place after she goes for gold in
2: this weekend's two-woman bobsled. Jerika? Let's hope she wins. Jamie Yukis thank you.
1: Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy.
2: Tonight, newly released video shows the moment heavy rains triggered a deadly mudslide this week in the Brazilian city of Petropolis. The death toll is well over 100, and dozens more are still unaccounted for. Almost a foot of rain came down in about three hours. While well, winds topping 120 miles per hour howled across Britain today, it turned landing at London's Heathrow Airport into a nail-biting spectator sport. Hundreds of thousands yeah. of people watched a live stream of planes struggling to stay on course Whoa. through those dangerous gusts. Dozens of flights had to be canceled. And the U.S. Embassy today lifted the ban on inspections of Mexican avocados, clearing the way for exports to resume. Deliveries of avocados were temporarily halted last week. An American inspector was threatened in an area of Mexico where growers are often shaken down by drug cartels. The U.S. and Mexico have now agreed to ensure the safety of inspectors. It's been nearly a half a century since there was even a chance of snow in the Tampa, Florida area. Well, today on on the road has a one hundred percent chance of smiles. Steve Hartman has the story.
3: It all started here at South Shore Charter Academy outside Tampa when teacher Robin Hughes opened a book about snow. It's cold and got a frosty reception.
4: They just had this perplexed look on their face. Then that's when I asked the question, how many of you all have never seen snow before? Seen
3: Hands snow before.
4: shot up. A lot of you.
3: In classroom after classroom.
7: Yeah, never seen snow. I saw it on a TV show. Like, ice age, it has snow. I'm like, what is snow, people?
3: Clearly, Robin had tapped into a desperate yearning right, that she wanted go. to satisfy. Good. Unfortunately, Good. it hasn't snowed in central Florida in 45 years. Still, Robin wasn't about to let a little thing like meteorology get in her way. So she reached out to her sister in Kentucky and went full out frozen.
4: She asked me if I want to build a snowman.
3: Amber Estes begrudgingly agreed to ship her sister this snowman.
4: And I said, if he makes it to Tampa, his name is going to be Lucky. He made it.
3: <laughs> Meet Lucky. <laughs> I was so excited when I
4: opened the box. I mean, I could not wait to go in the classroom with them.
3: So, for more than a month now, Lucky has been leaving the cafeteria freezer. Lucky. Ever so briefly, to grant these poor, snow-deprived children their first-ever opportunity happy. to see, feel, and gush over the mini-miracle that is a snowman.
4: It's real snow. And as a teacher, that's what you want. You just want that joy.
0: It's like the first time I ever saw a snowman. And I was like,
6: first time I met Lucky, I said he's handsome like a boy. Yes.
3: Perhaps no one is more yes. smitten than five year old Momo.
6: I love him. I knew I would kiss him. I knew it.
3: Is that the first boy you wanted to kiss?
6: Yes. And the second boy I'm gonna kiss. My you don't dad. have
3: to okay, good. All
2: right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Bubbling joy. Wide-eyed wonder. Only a teacher could take a pile of snow, sticks, and a vegetable and somehow melt your heart. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Riverview, Florida.
2: I'll never take snow for granted again. Sunday on Face the Nation, Margaret's guests include Secretary of State Antony Blinken, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg, and Congressman James Clyburn. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News for Nora O'Donnell and all of us here. I'm Jerika Duncan. Good night.
0: If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad free on Amazon Music.